0: Welcome to the Truth Be Known Podcast, bringing you the objective truth boldly, candidly, and without apology. Welcome to this week's episode. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Truth Be Known Podcast. I'm Nathaniel Jolly, and I am Eki Tepsipornchai. Well, it's good to have you back again, brother. Uh, it's good to see you as well. Always
1: a pleasure to come on and, and be able to interact.
0: Doing these podcasts often energize me for the day.
1: Yeah, they're they're good. I, I enjoy talking about these uh, spiritual topics. I think they're beneficial, and still I, I continue to get uh, good feedback uh, from people, and sometimes other pastors as well, um, who have been encouraged by the things that we have shared. And that's that's really what we aim to do. We're not we're not trying to start arguments here or, or be uh, troublemakers, despite what some people might say about us, but uh, we, we just want to edify the, the
0: saints. Yeah, I don't think we've ever said anything controversial for real Christians. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so uh, this week, we're going to you know pick up on uh, the part two of spiritual discipline. So last week, uh, I think it was a great episode. I got a couple of folks feedback on that. Um, just yeah, a really uh, good opportunity to sit back and just reconsider um, how to develop our spiritual lives. And so, I don't. Do you remember all the the ones we hit last week? I think we talked you know, about prayer. Yeah, it was
1: mostly prayer and the Word. We talked word. about various yep. aspects of prayer, including fasting. So we talked about prayer, fasting, and and then we talked about our time in the Word. Time in the Word.
0: There. Yeah. Um. It you know we'll just kind of go back to. When we started this, a a focus on Timothy 4, 7 says, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. And so when we talk about spiritual disciplines, you know, we're not talking about something that's unusual to scripture. We're told to engage in the practice of things um, for the purpose of of godliness, right? To the practice of disciplines for the purpose of godliness. Um, You know, just kind of a reiterate, we talked a little bit about the difference between doing these things, you know, from a legalistic perspective. Um, I, obviously we understand this, these things should be a desire uh, out of our hearts. We should want to engage in disciplines out of our love for Christ, out of our desire to grow uh, deeper in our affections, uh, not, not only with God, but with God's people as well. Um, and, and we're human, right? So we, they're disciplines because sometimes we've just got to get up and push through and make our bodies do things that they don't want to do.
1: Yeah, I agree. Our our disciplines often discipline is portrayed legalistically. We should really get used to viewing discipline as a means of expressing our love, though. And even yeah. in a secular example, we think about um, athletes, and especially I, I love to use the example of Olympic athletes who train every four years, right? Four years, nonstop, yeah. day and night, really for. One event at the end of that four years uh, in order to do their best at that time. And when you look at their eating regimen, when you look at their workout regimen, you see that there is strict discipline in what they do, but you wouldn't say that they're doing it out of a legalistic reason. They're doing it because they have a pursuit that they're really chasing after. For us, our pursuit is Christ. Uh, We want to be like Christ and I think of Philippians chapter three, when Paul said that he makes it his aim, right, to, to um, really share in the sufferings of Christ uh, so that he may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Yeah. Um, so I, I think the disciplines that we are talking about are really, okay, we, we love Christ, we, we love God, or we should, we should be cultivating that. And how do we now honor him really with our lives and our body? And that, uh, that comes through discipline.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the, the Apostle Paul used these kind of examples uh, on more than one occasion, right? Think of 1 Corinthians uh, 9 and 26. He says, therefore, I run in such a way yes. uh, as not without aim. He talks about boxing in that same passage, uh, not, not as though he's just boxing in the air. And so we right. see the Apostle Paul using uh, the athlete right, yep. and the discipline that athletes have In terms of um, you know his spirituality, and we so we all to do the same. We understand when we do that, we're using biblical examples.
1: And the other uh, analogy I think of is military examples, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Paul talks about how you know we're not to be um, a soldier that's that's really distracted from our mission. And in a military sense, we understand that when people go overseas, you've got to be focused on what the mission is. You can't be distracted with um, civilian matters um, off to the side. And for us, uh, we are not um, in a physical war. We're in a spiritual war. So it's not just uh, military analogies. It's not just the athletic analogies, but that's all tied into our spiritual realities where we want to discipline ourselves that we may be able to grow and also to be able to engage and to be able to wage war successfully as god would have us wage it
0: yeah absolutely and so it's good that we recognize spiritual disciplines are things that we do right They're activities i know you know having come out of the charismatic pentecostal background you start talking about spiritual disciplines and and it's not just in that um, realm of christianity we can often come across folks that kind of have an idea of it's more of an attitude or a heart posture well that's not a spiritual discipline right um, if you aren't engaged in the practice of disciplines, then you don't have disciplines. Um, it's, it's things that we do, not just something that you merely give mental assent to. We have to actually engage in those things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just it's a way of life. Um, we're developing new habits in life. And prior to coming to Christ, we all had certain habits. Now, you may not have thought of them as disciplines, but... If someone is laying on the couch most of the time, they're really that—that's a habit that they have um, that they have developed, and even secular people without knowing Christ will tell you that that's not a good habit. So we're really developing, we're establishing new habits. We're we're. You know, getting rid of the old habits that have hindered us and and we're doing it with a motivation, with a purpose. I mean, like I said, it's the Olympic athlete who is looking to compete mm-hmm. in an event once every four years. You look at some of the major sports and they want to get to the championships or the finals or what have you um, in order to achieve the um, the highest level of performance. And for us, if Christ is our life, if our spiritual walk, if our life is all about our spiritual walk now, then we want to be able to do the same. And in order for us yeah, to be effective, yeah. we, we just have to develop those habits.
0: Yeah, well, Jonathan Edwards said something close to that. He said, if you long to be more like Christ, then act like him and walk as he walked. Right. And and that I mean, that brings us to a good point. We haven't just arbitrarily chosen random things. Spiritual disciplines aren't just merely hobbies or things that people enjoy doing right? These are activities that are specifically modeled for us in scripture, you know, empowered by the Holy Spirit. um, You know, it's not just things that we enjoy doing. Woodworking is not a spiritual discipline, right? I enjoy fishing, you know, it's peaceful. It can be a contemplative atmosphere, unless of course you get attacked by a grizzly bear because I live in Alaska. Uh, (laughs) But other than that, it's, it's a nice, enjoyable environment and thing for me to do. But it's not a spiritual discipline, right? Um, reading my scriptures regularly, however, is a spiritual discipline.
1: Yeah, and this is uh, for some people. You know, we, we can uh, relate to spending time doing things we really enjoy. Some people like to play golf, and obviously, you go out and play golf, and that could take several hours a- at a time. Um, you talked about fishing; that's that's an activity. You go out there, and you're you're out there several hours a- hours at a time. People like to do hunting or whatever it may be. There's a lot of activities that just take a lot of time, but we naturally do them because we love them. And so the challenge for a lot of Christians is, well, you know, these spiritual disciplines are not necessarily fun. I don't, I, you know, I don't naturally love to do that. And so I think we all can kind of relate to that and understand that, mm-hmm. you know, and that's where cultivating a love for Christ. And, and we can even call that a discipline is cultivating that love for Christ and and really um, helping um envision or focus, meditate, and and really think about what it is that, um, what God wants us to do and how we are to glorify him. And that the only way to get there from here to there, there's no shortcuts. There's no easy buttons. Um, Everything um, that's worth having requires work. Um, And that includes really our spiritual victories. And so if um, you're in Christ, um, your desire above all else should be to see God glorified. And then the question is, well, how do we glorify God Well, that's where we get into the spiritual warfare and the spiritual warfare. Once again, it it always comes back to what your habits are, how you are as a person, how you're walking. That's going to give you credibility and the ability to engage in a way that uh, would glorify him.
0: Yeah. And, you know, obviously we're not saying recreational activities are bad. They're good. In fact, if you use them well, um, and I, I think people should make an effort to include, you know, recreation in, in their lifestyles. Um, but you know, you can, you can include spiritual disciplines in that. And in fact, you know, just as an example, I say, I like to fish on, you know, on, on Mondays, I typically kind of take a half day off and, uh, but I use that. i go out. I do my fishing and I intentionally have already selected a couple sermons that I listen to. So, um, I do that because fishing, well, at least for me, uh, is a pretty brainless activity. I've been doing it my whole life. So, you know, you're just sitting there with a rod in the water and I can do one or two things. I can just be there. Um, or I can discipline myself to use that time, uh, to my, my advantage as well. So just an example, uh, I think a lot of people, you know, haven't thought of including disciplines in the things that they enjoy and love doing. There are a lot of activities that you can do that you can listen to an audio book or, you know, audible scriptures. Um, If you, you know, drive an hour to work or two hours to work, which I know many people do that's great opportunity to be in the word uh, at least some of that time, but it takes some planning, right? It doesn't just happen if you don't plan for it. Yeah,
1: no, that's, that is a great point. And I agree with you Um, having activities um, recreational or otherwise, um, I think of one Corinthians ten thirty one. Whether you eat or drink, whatever mm-hmm. you do, do all to the glory of God. Yeah. Um, so we want to we want to give thanks. I mean, God gives us all things for uh, all things for us to enjoy, mm-hmm. and so we we recognize that uh, without making ourselves really the purpose um, of life. Yeah. So we we enjoy creation, and for instance, when you're out there fishing, I mean that's that's in one way how we exercise dominion, right? I mean, the creation and and the animals that are there are really there for the purpose of of mankind, which I know a lot of. Animal lovers don't like hearing that. um, Those who are not Christian, at least, uh, but you know that that is the truth. And so we we have this world. God has given it to us. He's given it to us uh, for us to enjoy, but to enjoy recognizing that um, it's not an end of itself, but it's really a way for us to enjoy what He has given to us. But we are still here with a with a purpose in mind.
0: Yeah, and you know it's a good place to say that when we're talking about these disciplines, the goal is godliness right? The goal is not a check mark in the box, right? Like I can check off, I did my scriptures today, or I can check off that I did something quote unquote spiritual during all my activities this week. No. Um, the, the goal is just that heart desire to be like Christ. You brought up a point earlier, we we're just talking about how disciplines aren't necessarily um, easy. And the apostle Paul, right? I mean, it, just think about it you know, we talked about already this, this, the sports references, the military references, I mean, no pro athlete. um, I mean, every pro athlete understands he's going to put his body through some pain to get to the goal. Right. Um, And, and it's a good kind of pain. And so we're sort of talking about that, but I want to read a quote by RC Sproul and, you know, we'll just hit everyone between the eyes real quick, uh, including myself when I found this quote, because I, I think we've developed just kind of a culture to which he speaks to very well in this quote. So let let me read this here. Then is the real problem of our negligence. We fail in our duty to study God's word, not so much because it's difficult to understand, not so much because it's dull and boring, but because it is work. Our problem is not a lack of intelligence or a lack of passion. Our problem is that we are lazy
1: yeah, that's, uh, that's a good one. It gets back to slothfulness, uh, doesn't it? Yeah, we we do the things that we enjoy very easily because it doesn't feel like work. Um, but the things that are work, we tend not to gravitate towards. Now, for some people, this comes easier than others. I mean, some people who yeah. have lived a life of discipline, especially you know, those, um, as an example, here in America, I find a lot of times, a lot of the most hardworking people are the people that have come um, across from other countries, they're first-generation people, um, and they understand what opportunity they have here, and, and they don't want to take that uh, for granted. Uh, people with military backgrounds um, often um, are very disciplined when they go into other areas of work afterwards, um, but it, it is true, it's, um, but that, that has to come with, um, there, there's circumstances people go through that really instill that kind of discipline into them. Um, but yeah, that's uh, yeah, that that's a convicting quote, um, and I, I think by our nature we would rather just relax and do the things that we enjoy with that really don't require us to engage our mind a whole lot.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, that's part of the American dream, right? To be able to have everything you want yes. with some relative ease. Um, but I think there's some encouragement in recognizing that too, and and you spoke to that. The encouragement is we we as we push through. And we engage in these disciplines and we develop the habits. You know, I, I think Sprawl in that quote made a good comment. It's not necessarily that we lack love for doing them or even passion. You know, we, we just have to develop those habits. And I think, you know, you spoke about the military. Um, you know, I can tell you from my own experience, um, many guys go into the military and they are lazy <laughs> and they come out with a work ethic that's entirely different. And that's because they've spent all that time retraining themselves to be disciplined. And so I think the encouragement would be if you struggle with, um, you know, adding these disciplines to your life, the regular reading of the scripture, taking time to pray, be encouraged in, in that as you do that, and you trust the, the Holy Spirit in the midst of that. And not only will you enjoy them, but I think they'll become generally easier, right. To, to set that, that time aside to do those things, but you've got to yeah. start
1: somewhere exactly and 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 i think you can you could probably relate to and see have seen a lot of examples of this i mean in the military when they come in and they're lazy but they come out being disciplined they come out not wanting to go back to that lazy lifestyle you know people that have learned discipline and have developed discipline don't want to go back and the reason why they don't want to go back because they realize how much better it is to be disciplined And while some people may look at discipline as being a killjoy or being legalistic, um, you actually um, put yourself into a position to um, be able to fulfill more of your potential, be able to be more productive. And in the process, you enjoy life um, in in a deeper and richer way rather than just kind of living moment to moment, looking for the next thing to just kind of entertain you passively. Um, so once you've developed discipline in a certain area, you you find that you don't want to go back to where you were before because you're just you, you know, in a secular way, the people might say that, well, I'm just a better person because of it. But really, in our case as Christians, we want to recognize that we're able to be more effective for God's kingdom when we're disciplined.
0: Yeah, we're more Christ-like. Um, when we're disciplined is just the reality.
1: Yeah, and then we, we were talking about prayer last time and, and Jesus Christ, when you, especially, you know, you read the, through the Gospels and especially the book of Luke, Luke really emphasizes this, but every moment that Jesus had, he slipped away and went in, into prayer, you know? So, I mean, he was a very, very disciplined man. He, he was either teaching or he was ministering or he was off in prayer, um, but he was, he was redeeming, redeeming the time, making every moment count.
0: Yeah. And I, I think we have a great parallel, brother. It, we've just come out of a season where, you know, the church was shut down. People were kept from, you know, the ordinary means of grace, of fellowship, um, the the word, you know, taking the, the Lord's table. And you find a lot of Christians can instantly look back and see how that one affected their walk. Yeah. Right. Um, we see that in. Um, I, I don't want to say depression within the Christian body, but just that longing to yes. get back to the church. I mean, I, I heard pastors, in fact, just this last week talking about uh, passing you know, the, the plate for offerings, mm-hmm. um, which, which we don't do, but that's fine. But the point was they could almost feel um, the excitement of the people, the, the relief, because it is a level of normalcy. Right. Yes. That they haven't had in so long. And so I think people can at least use this past season to help us understand that when you're disciplined, right, you've been going to church, you've been sitting under mm-hmm. the word, you've been, you know, uh, fellowshipping with brothers and sisters. And then when you don't have that, you realize how much better it was. And we could, we could say that um, for spiritual disciplines too. Once you, you know, once you develop a disciplined life in, reading uh, the scriptures for yourself and studying the scriptures in prayer, you don't ever want to go back because you see how much better it is.
1: Yeah, no, I, I totally, I totally agree. And uh, when you think about that example, you just gave good example about the COVID shutdown and how, how much time people have spent away from the church. And I, I would say this for our audience. um, and I think most of them would understand that feeling. If you're away from church, how, how great it is to be back Because even though, um, you know, a lot of churches have gone online and provided their services online, the feedback I've gotten from my own church body um, has been the same that after they've been back for, after they've been away for a while and they come back, they come back with um, really just joy and and this sigh of relief that they can actually be with the body of Christ. And, and they, um, almost every single one of them said to me, you know, I, I so much appreciate that we put our services online, but it is not the same. Mm. And for those who are listening to us, um, hopefully you have, you know, that same yearning and desire to be with the body of Christ. But if you're, if you're in a position where you're thinking, well, you know what, I haven't really felt much of a difference between, You know, being an online church and really being there in person, then I would encourage you part of the reason that is, is probably because you're not really plugged in, Mm -hmm. um, because you're not really connected to other brothers and sisters in Christ. And it could could be easy to make the two really just equivalent if um, Sunday mornings has just been a time for you to be able to attend and then go home. You know, that's, that's time with your family. And, and part of the spiritual discipline there is, is I, I think, recognizing and, and yearning, lo- looking forward mm-hmm. to that time with fellow saints, getting to know fellow saints, um, recognizing the, the wondrous opportunity that we have to be able to sing praise to God together um, mm-hmm. and, and to hear the word together and, and to catch up with believers and to fellowship with them, to find out how you can be praying for them, how they can be praying for you. And, and use that also as an opportunity to set up time outside of Sundays to spend time together in fellowship and and spending time um, getting to know one another during the week, have coffee or lunch or dinner. Um, because our, our our true fellowship, and, and we're kind of weaving a bunch of disciplines here together, one I, I would say is cultivating a love for God, two is being there at church, three, fellowship with believers, because mm-hmm. our fellowship is with believers, not unbelievers. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, do not be bound together with unbelievers for what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness mm-hmm. or what fellowship has light with darkness. And so during the week, if you are looking forward to spending time with unbelievers, um, I would encourage you to start to view the church as re- your real spiritual family. And if you really love God and want to grow, it's going to have to be through the church because that's, that's exactly how God has designed it. Um, so, yeah, there, there's there's a number of disciplines that all come together, but I think you're right. The COVID shutdown has really exposed just how near and dear the church is to, to those who love the church.
0: Yeah, and it, I mean, you hit on, you know, some of the specific disciplines that I uh, wanted to talk about today, fellowship being one of them. So let's, let's just focus in, kind of hone in on that. Um, Yeah. And I, and I would agree, I I would agree with you. And I I would even go a little beyond that and say, you know, if, if you're just lacking a general desire to be with uh, the body of Christ, then I think one, you misunderstand what the body of Christ is. Um, You you can't love God and hate his bride. Um, If, if, you know, if you desire to be with the world more than the bride of Christ, there's, there's some serious issue there. Um, And that would be a time where, you know, it would be right to one question and see if you're in the faith, um, right? As, as we're told to examine occasionally, that's an, an appropriate time to do that. When you find your longing isn't in the place where it ought to be, um, talk to your pastor, get plugged in. And that was another good point. I, I mean, most of the time for me, my personal experience has been when when people, you know, come and they say, I'm just not feeling connected. I'm not You know, getting anything, I'm not connecting with the rest of the body here. Um, I don't think I've ever come across a case personally where that person wasn't, uh, where that person was making as much effort as they were wanting others to make towards them, right? Generally, it's they're making little to no effort, um, expecting everyone else to do the work. And so I'd have to say, well, of course, um, you're not engaging in. The body, uh, you, you just have an expectation of things happening to you. Um, but we, we need to do that. We should be. You, you just can't love God and not love His bride, which is the church, right?
1: Yeah, I, I, and I think we've in this society, and it's especially here in America, it's really easy to do. We've developed a consumer mindset Wherever, where everywhere we go, we want we want to be served. Uh, well, when, when we read the scriptures, uh, we learn that it is actually a blessed opportunity to be able to come into the house of God and mm. be able to worship him. And when we have the right kind of mindset, and, and this is another discipline, just developing the right kind of mindset mm. uh, when it comes to our lives, because our lives now belong to Christ. Um, and when we look at it that way, that our lives belong to Christ, the question is not what can God, do for us, or what can other people do for us? Well, the question is, what can we do for other people? Yeah. And that's the Philippians 2 mindset, Philippians 2, 1 through 5, where Paul ultimately says, you know, treat the needs of others as being more important than yourselves. And then that leads into the example of Christ, um, who emptied himself, taking on the form of a slave, and uh, was um, then humbled himself and he was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And that whole point, they, the whole point of that analogy of Jesus Christ is for us to have the mindset of thinking, what is it that we can do for others? So, I mean, really, and, and this is the truth. If we end up serving other people and no one ever serves us, well, really that service to other people glorifies God, right? Yeah. Um, now, mm-hmm. I think when the body of Christ is healthy and working well, um, there is mutual service uh, between the, the, the members. There, there should be. But in d- certain occasions of and certain seasons of need, there's going to be those who have plenty, they're going to give to those who have need. And that's, that's the way the body functions. It's not, a, it's not a, I do this for you and in exchange, mm-hmm. I want you to do this for me. So when you go into church, you don't want to have the mindset of like, well, what are they doing for us? What are the people doing for us? Um, really look around and think, um, ask yourself, how can I plug in? How can I serve other people regardless of, uh, of how they feel about me? Right? Yeah. And, and I think when you find when you do that, uh, good things happen.
0: Well, and here's the reality. You go to Mark ten forty five for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to be served and to give his life as a ransom for many. So if we we're to imitate Christ, you know, then our, our, you know, I think we have a natural human desire to want, you know, reciprocated love, reciprocated affection, but that should not affect our faithfulness. If we're to imitate Christ, then our heart should be to serve others regardless of what we may or may not receive. Um, that, you know, that was that Christ came to be ser- uh, to serve and not to be served. And so uh, we can look to that as, you know, our ultimate example. Um, you know, you were talking about fellowship as a, a discipline. And I put this in here because, I mean, I think it, it, it's been implied kind of throughout what, we're, what we've talked about. It's not a natural uh, human disposition, right, to want to selflessly serve others. Our natural disposition is to want to gain something from it. And and surely we do gain when we serve in the body of Christ. Um, But I think of we talk about all the one and others, and that speaks to just the very things we've been speaking to. Right. Uh, It's for the other, not for you. Right. I serve for the sake of the other. Uh, Romans twelve ten be devoted to one another in brotherly love give preference to one another in honor uh, and so when we gather when we're with one another that should be our posture how can I be devoted to my brother to my sister how can I give preference um, uh, but by the way it's a, a good side point here maybe a small rabbit trail that we give preference to our brothers and sisters first, before we give preference to the world, right? Um, we'll yes. hit on some other passages that that speak to that, uh, but you can't do the one another's if you're just focused on yourself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think about what uh, Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 13, they shall know you are my disciples by mm-hmm. your love for one another. Yeah. And of course, we know the two greatest commandments to love God and to love um, your neighbors as yourself. Um, but that love for our neighbors, it starts first and foremost within, within the body of Christ. And just to give an example of that, for instance, uh, we know that the Bible says much about meeting the needs of those who are poor and needy and oppressed, um, being there for um, orphans and widows. Um, James says that is the definition of true religion. We understand that. Mm-hmm. But we also see just in the example of the book of Acts that the needs that they sought to meet first were fellow saints. Um, it's, it's impractical to think that we're going to be able to meet the needs of all the poor all over the world, but certainly those within the household of God. We know that soon after the church was formed, people were selling their stuff and they were giving to those who were poor. Um, the apostle Paul had that uh, commission from the Jerusalem council to collect for the needy saints in Jerusalem. And you see several references of that, not only in the book of Acts, but also in some Mm -hmm. of his letters. Um, we see Paul writing to Timothy in first Timothy five, he talks about taking care of widows, And uh, widows, obviously, James says that's part of true religion, taking care of widows and orphans. But when you read um, Paul's directions in 1 Timothy 5, it's not just any widows. It's specifically those widows who are in the household of God who have been faithful, um, who are of a certain age and don't have other people to take care of them. So it's not a... You know it's not this um, indiscriminate just uh, scattershot of just trying to help everyone um, mm-hmm. in this world. Now for those outside the church, that's that's a fine ministry as well, but that I would put under outreach. and yeah. that's the and that's another discipline, which is evangelism because we really need to be yeah. motivated in our outreach through evangelism. If you simply just feed people or give them shelter, you've done a good work in a earthly sense, but um, what better off are they if they're still going to go to hell? Yeah. So you, you want to be able to do those earthly ministries with the motivation that uh, you, mm-hmm. you want to share the gospel with them saying, look, I, I love you. I'm, I'm doing these things because I love you, but here's the ultimate uh, message of love. And that's that Jesus Christ came and died for the sins of those who would believe in him. So, yeah, we, um we have the, we have those disciplines. We, we want to follow them, follow them through and be thoughtful and intentional with, uh, with how we do that.
0: Yeah. And. Uh, you know, another one, Hebrews 3.13, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Um, You you know, again, there are, I don't know, maybe just under 60 different references to one another's, some of them are duplicates, but um, again and again, you know, fellowship is, as a discipline, is intentional, and and we know this, right? If we're honest, you know, after church, we have you know, sung our hearts full and empty at the same time we have sat under the preaching of the word. Um, You know, our minds have been focused. Uh, We have been trusting the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us um, as we, you know, relate to others. And we're tired, right? I mean, you're can you tired. And it's very easy to go through the rest of your week having to, you know, love your family, having to uh, be faithful in your work, it's very easy to neglect fellowship with your um, you know with your local congregation So it is a discipline because it takes some intentionality. Uh, we can tend to be um, you know very loving and fellowship oriented on Sunday mornings but let me just say if, if if that's only happened on Sunday morning then you have not given yourself to fellowship you just can't it just can't happen one day a week. there's no way you can love each other. If you only see each other one day a week, get to know each other. You can't spur each other onto good works um, just one day a week. Right. So, yeah,
1: right. The, the, the whole series of one another's that you talked about, and there are so many of them throughout the scriptures. It, it's, it's useful to actually have a list or to do a study of all the one another's just to see how important that is. And we've mentioned this before, the importance of of the church. The New Testament doesn't make sense uh, without the concept of the church because the Gospels point forward to the fact that Jesus Christ died for the church. The book of Acts shows the explosion of the church, how it grew, and the epistles were primarily to churches or individuals who were starting churches or ministering over churches. Even when you get to the last book, the book of Revelation, Revelation chapters 2 and 3, it's Jesus Christ and his letters to the church, and then all the trials and tribulations that follow after. After that are really the warning of those who do not heed um, what he is uh, mm-hmm. writing to those churches. Um, so we, we have that we, we need to have that concept of the church. And it's not just a great point. It's not just a once a day week kind of thing. And if you feel, you know, if you feel spiritually revived by your Sunday services, that's good. That's, you know, the Sunday services are doing their part. Um, but those Sunday services are meant to energize you for the rest of the week um, to really mm-hmm. look inward and say, you know what, the the things that I'm learning here, I'm going to apply them to the rest of the week. And and that includes uh finding time to be with other believers because what the the more you're with other believers and that verse you quoted out of Hebrews is very appropriate, that we are encouraging one another to good works. You know, um, bad company uh, spoils good morals or something like that. I'm paraphrasing mm-hmm. that. Um, but when you're around other believers, um, it it energizes you. And even even the time that we spend on the podcast um, each week and talking, I mean, this is a, you know, sometimes I feel like this is just fellowship and it's just being captured um, and, and recorded um, yeah. on the air and shared with, with our listeners. But we need this in order to um, encourage one another, and and to give ourselves kind of that spiritual fuel, um, and and, to, uh, and motivation that that we need throughout the the week. And I I know that uh, my my wife and I, if for some reason we're away from the church uh, for a for more than a week, and the last time this happened was when we had COVID and we couldn't um, attend except online. Um, we came back um, after a few weeks and and my wife had broken out into tears and it wasn't tears of sadness. It was tears of joy because it felt so good to be back in the congregation mm-hmm. singing uh, with the congregation. But yeah, that experience should be throughout the week as you interact and and get to meet and, and encourage fellow believers.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just consider th- the church is the body of Christ. We are a family unit. If you only fellowshiped, With anyone in your immediate family once a week, what kind of relationship would you have? Right. But we don't all, we don't often view the church in a right way. Um, the the church family should be viewed in some sense even higher than blood family. Now, I'm not saying we neglect our immediate family, you you know, for the sake of those outside. That's not what I'm saying. But, but we, I don't think we elevate the relationships in the church. Uh, to where they need to be often. And so, yeah, we need to make, you know, effort. uh, So fellowship is a discipline when you entertain those in your church, in your home during the week. It shouldn't be an if you do it. It should be a when you do it. There's an expectation that we gather, you know, outside of the Lord's Day service. Now, there's no uh, parameters on how often or what that has to look like, but it should be happening. I mean, in fact, you can't really make disciples if you aren't spending time with people. Um, and just a few hours on Sunday is not adequate time. And so, you know, so fellowship, doing the one another's requires intentional time. It, re- it requires scheduling, right? I mean, we all have lives. We've got things that we do uh, outside of Sunday. We've got families and, and travel for work and all that kind of thing. Um, so it's a discipline. Sit down, you know, sit down, husband wife, with your family and say you know what these are this is an area we're lacking um let's let's find time to maybe have someone from the church over you know one night and let's schedule it in if you need to do that there's nothing wrong with that right put it in your schedule make time for it um you know pray about who that will be you know see you know who god's connecting you with in a deeper way in the church but those kind of things should be happening we should you know, be looking for those things. And if you don't have time, um, you know, then pull it from somewhere, uh, watch less TV, uh, do less recreation, sleep an hour or two less. Um, they should be happening. I think here in America, I'm hard, it's hard for me to believe someone just doesn't have any time. I think we give an abundance to time, sometimes to things we don't realize how much, you know, put that app on your phone. I think uh, mm-hmm. Dustin Binge talked to us on, on one episode, right? <laughs> um, That's right. It, it, you can put an app on your phone. And it's, it's for, actually
1: already there. That's the um that's the it, the it gives feedback on how much time. Yeah. On the Apple device, it's automatically there. It gives you an update like um every single week. Um uh, okay. tells you how much time you've spent on the device. And and that's uh when he sees the number of hours per day, it's uh, you know, it's it's automatic conviction um to ask yourself, okay, am I spending that much time doing God's work?
0: For some people, you could take enough time from Twitter uh to host a family <laughs> in your home one night a week. Just saying. Uh so let that convict you whoever it needs to convict. But the the point is is that our heart longs to engage yeah. in purposeful fellowship, you know. Yeah. And, so- and
1: you you would you would actually mention something about you said discipling. you know, you can't disciple people without uh meeting people. And and that's you know, the word discipline and disciple that, that's coming from the, the same root, mm-hmm. right? And um, to disciple someone, 1 Timothy two two, we know that verse Paul says um, to Timothy, the things that I have entrusted to you, you teach others so that they may be able to teach others mm-hmm. who are faithful. And that's four generations being described there. And not only that, but the Great Commission, go and make disciples of all the nations. And so a lot of um, you as believers, um, if you're not discipling someone, Um, there's a good chance that there's someone within the body of Christ who could really benefit uh, from being discipled, even if it's just starts with coming together for a meal and just talking to them and, and uh, and just being there for them and helping them to just think uh, biblically about things. And, you know, and, and I understand that, uh, you know, they've, you know, for a discipling relationship to happen, both sides have to um, agree to that, but it starts with a relationship and there's always um, there's almost always something, someone that you're going to be able to disciple within the body. And at the same time, Look for people um, who are godly, who are walking in a faithful way, whom you uh, really respect, and you can see Christ in their lives. Look for opportunities to be discipled by them as well. Um, Just that exercise of looking for those opportunities is a discipline in itself.
0: Yeah, I mean, one thing is for certain, if you don't make the time to bring people into your life, you're not going to be able to disciple anyone, right? But if you are making that time, um, without any doubt, God will... um, tear you up, as it were. God will bring people into your life if you open your life to God's people. Um, he, he does that. And it's amazing uh, for once you start doing these things, the testimonies that I've heard over the years of, you know, just p- how God's connected families that didn't know each other or didn't know each other well, or, you know, just that kind of thing. You see how amazing God works in those circumstances. But, but you've got to make time in your schedule for other people. And I think we talk about discipleship. Maybe it'd be good if we just kind of hit on that for a moment or two, because I, I can almost hear the, the gasp coming from some people. Well, I haven't been trained. I don't have seminary education. You know, how am I going to disciple someone? We almost have, I, I think either we don't think about it at all, or for a lot of people, it stresses them out because they don't realize the simplicity in discipleship. Um, it, you know, if you are in the word and you are, you have a life of prayer, when you get together, there's going to be natural discipleship that happens when you start opening your life and your door to others. Um, it, oh, let's just maybe speak to the older men and women that may be listening to us. However, you want to define that. Um, there are a lot of, I mean, I think back to when I was a new believer, I could have and the. I've had the same testimony from many other, you know, young believers now Um, just being around some people in their home and hearing them pray.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. Is discipling them because when you first come to the faith, nobody knows how to, you don't know how to pray, right. You want to hear other believers pray. You need to hear other believers pray Um, just having conversations around, you know, the things of God, Uh, talking about the scriptures, um, answering, you know, there's always questions and dialogue that comes up. Discipleship happens when you intentionally um, engage in fellowship with other believers in the church. So it doesn't have to be necessarily some planned out rigorous, you know, we need to go through, um, you know, Tulip, we need to go through, you know, it doesn't have (laughs) to be that You, you can certainly develop a relationship where you do Bible studies together and things like that, but that isn't where it needs or has to start necessarily.
1: Yeah, and we've got, for instance, uh, we've got a group of ladies at our church that gather together and they read through certain sanctified books together, and they share their thoughts with each other over that chapter and what are the spiritual lessons they're pulling from that, always tracing it back to what the Bible says that could be a form of discipleship when they're doing it intentionally. They're coming together and they're interacting with one another and at times correcting one another or, or at least sharing with one another how these um, certain spiritual truths play out um, in their lives. Um, but sometimes it really just starts um, with just like we said, it's just it's just gathering with people. And if you're if you're one of these people that says now, oh, but I, I really don't have time. I mean, to Nathaniel's point. You know, I think what you really should do is is really carefully investigate the way you're spending your time each and every day. Mark it down on paper. keep keep a keep a log hour by hour what what it is you're doing. And um, I think you'd be surprised how much time you're spending on things that really don't matter. Um, I know a lot of people that get home, they're really tired, and then they just sit passively in front of a television set for a few hours. Well, I mean, those few hours, even if you're tired, um, just get together with someone and, and just maybe just pray with them or just share what's uh, what's on your heart here, what's on, on theirs. Uh, look for ways that you can pray for them. And you'd be surprised um, at how much uh, spiritual energy you get from mm-hmm. just those kinds of activities. But the more that we talk to each other, and, and this is especially true for newer believers because they... You know, being a new believer, they, they don't automatically see all the ways that these spiritual truths relate to their lives. Well, if you just start to open up to someone who's more mature, you're going to be surprised how much insight you're going to get from that person, you know, in terms of, you know, being thoughtful about your choice of music that you listen to, the entertainment you engage in, you know, the things that uh, you, you watch or look at or how you spend your free time or the opportunities that you have to, to, for prayer and, and all those kinds of things. So it, it really, there, there's no way around it. Spend some time with other people. Yeah. and uh, and use that as a way to and you know what if you're both equally new in the faith use that time anyway open up the scriptures uh talk about what was preached last Sunday and and, and start challenging each other with how it applies to you um, and, and and where else can you go to learn more about uh, certain topics or whatever have you
0: yeah absolutely i mean we we've we've got to develop a culture that gets past this we don't have time it, it's we've almost glorified being too busy right yeah. there, there's nothing saintly about being overly busy. Um, and you know, not to be heavy handed, uh, but if it, you know, if you say you're too busy to engage in fellowship, you know, you're really saying you're too busy for the bride of Christ. I I mean, that's really what you're communicating. Um, so consider that and make some, make some changes. I think you'll find it's, it's far easier. Um, because when you're, then a lot of people think, you know, you've got to make a meal. So, We've, I, you know, I've we've had guys in the church who invited people over to help make the meal with them. I thought mm-hmm. that was a fantastic idea, yeah. right? Yeah. Everyone enjoyed it. There was no problem, um, and and it made room for the things that needed to happen anyway, and include others in the church, um, you know, in that. And so it didn't take a lot of extra work. So sometimes we just gotta get creative with that stuff, and we just gotta say. You know, these things are so important that we're going to we're going to do them faithfully out of love for Christ. And I guarantee I can guarantee that what you'll find is that you grow spiritually and the ones around you will grow spiritually because that's what God does when we're faithful um, in, in the things he tells us to do.
1: Yeah, and it could be the recreational activities that we talked about before. Um, Do those with people. You know, if you enjoy fishing, find some people that uh, enjoy fishing or are willing to learn. Um, You enjoy playing golf. I've got some guys in our church that uh, will go out with fellow brothers and use that as an opportunity to get caught up and to get to know one another. There's plenty of opportunities to be able to talk and get to know one another. So find some shared activities that you enjoy doing. I. I enjoy playing pool. So billiards uh, without the gambling, of course, but yeah, I mean, um, we, we know some people within the church that have a pool table at their house and I enjoy getting together with them. Let's uh, shoot around a pool. And while we're playing, we're, we're talking, we're fellowshipping. We're just kind of getting to, to know one another. So yeah, there are plenty of opportunities and even even in the secular world, I mean, even before I was a believer in corporate America, um, we've all heard that story of, um, people who are on their deathbed and no one has ever said, I wish I'd spent more time at the office, but Mm -hmm. rather they said, I wish I'd spent more time with my children or with, I wish i had spent more time with my family. And that just goes to show at the end of their life, they know they could have made more time. Mm -hmm. And uh, for us, our family is not just our physical family. It's our spiritual family. And to your point, um, you know, we think about when Jesus said, uh, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword um, to divide um, fathers and sons and and mothers and daughters. And that's not to say that we as Christians then separate from our families, but it means that our passion for Christ is going to end up creating those divisions where they separate Mm -hmm. with us. And uh, when those things happen, and I've seen that in in our church uh, where some people are being alienated from their family members because of their love for Christ, you know, when that uh, becomes the case, well, you're going to prioritize Christ. Um, over you, even your physical family bonds and uh, and who who you have um there for you is going to be your spiritual family
0: yeah i mean you're going to spend eternity with these people that you're going to church with if you don't enjoy right. their company now what makes you think you're going to enjoy heaven <laughs> right right you know so yeah get to know them
1: now get to know you're going to spend forever together you gonna to be worshiping god together um might as well get to know them now
0: well, brother, let's move on quickly. Um, we're running out of time here to service. And I included service, uh, service, acts of service uh, as a spiritual discipline. Again, because I, I think, you know, we already talked about this a little bit. Um, our natural tendency, you know, in, in fallen humanity is to want to be served. Right. Um, and, and I think if we're honest, that doesn't just instantly go away when we become believers. That's something that, you know, we all have to fight. Um, and it's not not to say it's inappropriate. If, if you get served, that's wonderful. Um, but we ought to have a heart that uh, yearns to serve others as well. Right. Um, and it, you read this passage earlier, I think the uh, Colossians 323, right? Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord and not for people, knowing that it is from the Lord that you receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. And I think that's a perspective we would do really well uh, to to have, is that when we're serving others, we're actually first and foremost serving Christ
1: in that. Amen. And and that's uh, when you read, for instance, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 and read Mm -hmm. about the spiritual gifts. That's the whole point of spiritual gifts is to serve one another. Um, We are given those gifts in order to help and, and be there for one another. And I think of Ephesians chapter 4, when we read that uh, Jesus gave to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, Mm -hmm. pastors, and teachers. He gave it for the equipping of the saints. Now, who are the saints? Well, that's all believers. That's everyone who has professed Christ. They are a saint. And you are being equipped um, by those gifted men for the work of service. Mm-hmm. And you know this, the word in the Greek for service, the same word that we get ministry from. Everyone is called to ministry, the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. So the building up of the body of Christ at your local church, that is the responsibility of each and every Christian who is there. By serving one another, and not only looking for those opportunities to serve one another, but recognize when you've been served by others, and and give mm-hmm. thanks to the Lord and for those individuals. I mean, it could just be something as something as similar as an usher leading leading you to an open seat. Um, it could be someone who decides to go and grab you a cup of coffee during fellowship time. Um, there's a lot of acts of service that happen. Within a health, healthy church, and you want to be able to give thanks uh, for that, and and to be able to look for ways that you can do the same—not simply just to repay the favor, but really to give glory to God. Because, like Jesus said in John chapter thirteen, they shall know you by your love for one another.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, so get in and serve, um, and find something. I I don't know any church that would say, no, I'm sorry, you, we don't we don't need you or want you to serve here, <laughs> right? right? I mean, right. we. We understand that what, there's always a need, but beyond that, and more importantly than that, right, when people serve, again, you know, as we understand in this passage, it's the Lord that they're serving. Um, and and so we want people to engage in that. So pick up some trash, give someone a cup of coffee, stack a chair afterwards, yes. Um, yes. you know, and and talk to your brothers and sisters in between those things, you know, get be involved. There should not be um you know, a scenario where someone just comes to the gathering and, and no service happens, right? right. It, we shouldn't just stand there and let everyone do it, get engaged somehow, whatever that looks like, you know, every church is different. Uh, it, the needs are different from church to church. Um, but, the and and you'll find just like these other things, when you get in and start serving, you'll see, you know, that the Holy Spirit does a work in your life. Um because you just can't engage in these things without God working in you when you do it with the right heart.
1: Right. And, and um, even though I mentioned the spiritual gifts, how they're intended for us to serve one another, you don't have to be spiritually gifted in an area to in order to serve. You're not going to be rebuked by God for serving in an area where you don't have particular giftedness. Um, the idea is that if you're willing to spend your time and your efforts mm-hmm. to be able to serve others, even in ways that you aren't necessarily gifted or you don't think you're good or effective, it is amazing how just being there makes all the difference. Mm-hmm. And and one of the uh, here's a simple example: uh, visitation, for instance. If you know people that um, are ho- homebound because of their sickness, their illnesses, they can't get out of the house or whatever. Um or people that are just sick for a season and uh, and they could use the encouragement. It is amazing how just being there in person, just to be there, you don't even have to be gifted in conversation. You don't have to be gifted, you know, gifted in any particular way. But just your presence to be there to to tell them that you're thinking about them to pray with them is a huge blessing in and of itself. And that's that's an incredible act of service, even if that's not quote unquote within your wheelhouse of what mm-hmm. your gifts are. And I know for me when I was first saved, um, I joined this Thai Bible study group at Grace Community Church. And, you know, obviously now looking back, I mean, people would say that, you know, I'm gifted in teaching and preaching, but that's not where it started for me. When I joined that Thai Bible study group, uh, my my idea, the, the motivation that was in my heart, I wanted to find any way I could to serve God. And I had no idea I was going to be in teaching. So I just showed up there and, and I did a lot of things you mentioned. I would just, I would help put chairs in their, in their place. I would stack them back up afterwards. I would help serve, uh, serve some of the food, to clean up uh, some of the mess that was left behind. You know, I just wanted to, to be able to serve. And over time, the, the Lord revealed to me that The way I was going to primarily serve was going to be preaching and teaching, but that didn't stop me at that moment from saying, you know what, I'm just going to try to plug whatever holes need to be plugged, uh, meet any needs that need to be met. Who cares what it is that you've been specifically gifted for? You're not going to be rebuked uh, for any act of service that you do for the glory of God.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And, it, you know, I mean, there are so many passages that speak to serving and the one another's. And I mean, First Peter four tens another says each one's received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the multifaceted grace of God. And like you've mentioned, you may not know what that is, um, but just serve because you love Christ and, you know, you love the house of God. Uh, you love what happens there. You love the people there. Um, do whatever you can do, you know. I'm just as we're talking, I'm thinking about a gentleman who I know that would often say some of his um, best times with the Lord were while he was cleaning the uh, churches in the bathroom, the the bathrooms in the churches yeah, yeah. Um, after the service. Everyone was gone; no one wanted to do it, and so he was left alone to do it. Um, just one guy, and it, for, you know it. It was a time for him where. He would just talk with the Lord and he would consider the sermons and he found great joy in doing it. Uh, it's a bit ironic because I think he didn't do so well in his home situation. Yeah. <laughs> he, he didn't clean as fervently there. But uh, anyway, mm-hmm. um, at least he wasn't enthusiastic. He had a clean house. But but anyway, it just goes to show that you, you never know, you know, where and how God's going to work in you as you serve um, you may find some of the sweetest times with God in just doing those little otherwise monotonous things, um, no. but because you're doing it out of, out of a right heart, you know, God shows up and you just, yeah, you have some incredible times and you may look back and, you know, thank yourself one day, man, those three months that I've swept the church after everyone left were just some of the most amazing times, you know, I've had recently or, or whatever the case is. Amen. Well, let's see here. Um, I had a. It, there's so many passages we could talk about, brother. I think Galatians 6:10. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. Right. This is the expectation, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Um, again, you know, if you if if you want your church to be known in your community, then love the people in your church. Right. Right. Um, I mean, again, it, we've talked about that so many times, but the, the world will know, should know us for our love for one another. Um, and that takes intentionality, right? It's very easy to, to do very little. Um, but if you, I, I think everyone wants their church to be known as a friendly, inviting, warm, loving church. I don't think there's anything yes. wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, assuming that you, you aren't compromising, you know, any theological doctrinal positions. But if, if you want that to be true, then you need to be intentional about loving, right? You, these spiritual disciplines need to be there. Yeah. yeah amen. And we... We just had a couple
1: of baptisms this past um, Sunday, and I know that for those two individuals, they came to our church, and part of it was because we we preach and teach from the Bible, but a big part of it, too, was just that they felt welcomed by the others within the church. Um, And and so when you foster that kind of environment where you're loving one another, doing good for one another, people will come, and when they're trying to check out a church, they're going to have a hard time not wanting to be at a church where the people clearly are there for one another and, and welcoming one another. So yeah, that's, uh, again, Jesus Christ said, they shall know you by your, your love for one another. And 1 Peter 3, I think about, uh, you know, talking about just doing mm-hmm. good in general, who is to harm you if you are, if you prove zealous for what is good. So in other words, if you're zealous for good, um, people generally are not going to bother you. But verse 14, he says, but even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. And, you know that's what what I call the win-win situation. If you're zealous for doing what is good yeah um, either you're going to be rewarded by not being bothered um, by authorities uh, in, in the city or in the country or if you are then you're going to know that uh, you know you are going to be blessed by God with extra inheritance in heaven as you you do those things. So we we want to be zealous for good um, both inside the church and outside but especially inside the church towards our fellow brothers and sisters. and when we take the Lord's table, one of the things I challenge our church with, you know, we often talk about how you must examine yourself and examine the body. Um, the Really, the examination starts, um, I believe, with a person's participation within the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you within the body? Are you doing anything to bring division? Are you failing to ask for forgiveness or failing to grant forgiveness for someone who has asked for it? You know, are, are you holding a grudge against others? Um, these are all important factors. And when you think about the context in which Paul gives those uh, directions in 1 Corinthians 11, it was in the context of, of those who were abusing others, even at the, at, at the meal that they were coming mm. together for. So we, we don't wanna be people who take advantage of one another or shut people out of um, having their needs met, but we want to be good to each other, be zealous uh, for good, and, and to be able to meet each other's needs.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I think you you'll find you know once you give yourself to these acts of service, once you give yourself to the discipline of fellowshipping, uh, of serving people in the body, you you start to have an increased love for the bride of Christ. You know, when we when we view the church as the bride of Christ and not just you know a meeting with other people, it changes your perspective, and then. You know, you that comes out in things that you say publicly. It comes out in your speech. In fact, we'll just you know give a quick shout out to Morgan and her husband. I can't uh, from your church. Yeah, Christian. Uh, yeah. I, I, how do you Christian. say their last names? The, uh, Lagakis. um And and in fact, I'm going to read her quote. I, we never really do this, but it, it is expressive <laughs> of, I think, a, a good heart. And since they uh, tweeted it publicly, it said, you know, she, so her and her husband, here, I'll just read it to you. It says, what better way to celebrate eight months of marriage, congratulations, by the way, and a year of salvation than getting baptized at your newest home church. Uh, thank you, pastor, for baptizing us today. Um, it, you know, just what's demonstrated publicly Um, About your love for your church, for your community. Um, You know, that's an indication of typically where you are in the church. People that don't serve, people that don't fellowship, people that don't view the body of Christ as family don't typically make public statements of affection right for the church. And so if you engage in those things, um, you know, your love will increase. And so if you're thinking, man, I just don't love my church the way I need to, if I, I don't really view them as the body of Christ like I should, you know what? That's okay. Um, make a change today, right? Make a change this Sunday, this week, pick up the phone, invite someone over. And as you begin to serve, um, engage in fellowship, engage in your church, you will see your heart and love for the church increase.
1: Amen. And you you said something earlier, um, you know, the more time you spend invested in something, the more you're going to love it. And, uh, and that's the same thing with anything in life, but especially your involvement in the church, the more time you invest, the more protective you're going to become of wanting to maintain the, the, um, the, the discipline that you're putting into that. I mean, it's just like when people work out, uh, once they start to see some results from working out, they have extra motivation to keep it up rather than to mm-hmm. slack and let all that progress go, go to waste. And so you're, you, you put your time into what you love and you end up loving what you put your time into. And so make that, make that the right uh, place to put your efforts into. And that's the church.
0: Mm-hmm. Amen, brother. Well, we do what we do for the glory of God. And, Amen. uh, We thank you guys for joining us um, and yeah, hope this has been beneficial to you next week, by the way, will be a very special episode. It will be our 52nd episode. So our podcast will have uh, been on air for one full year, which is pretty awesome. So you don't want to miss it. It's going to be pretty awesome, but until next time, let the truth be known. The truth be known podcast